Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I get to interview amazing, inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine, who bring to the table something new, something something to enrich our lives. And I have known the following guest for quite some time, mostly online. I follow her online and our paths have crossed again and again. So now it's time to have her on Becoming Your Best Version. My name is Maria Leonard Olson. I'm a civil litigator in the Washington, D.C. area. I am a podcaster, radio show host, author, journalist, mentor, and workshop uh, provider. I also am a TEDx speaker. Please go to TEDx and Google my name, like my TEDx talk called Using Life's Challenges as a Force for Good. I think it has the capacity to help other people not feel so alone. And we all know it's a numbers game. The more likes I get, the more visibility the TED Talk gets. So please do yourself a favor and your friends and me by liking that TEDx Talk. So today we have guest Laura Stasi. She's a creator and host of the public radio podcast called Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. She explores issues and relays true stories about seeking, finding, and keeping love after age 50. Online dating, sexual intimacy, deal breakers, everything is on the table. Her book, Romance Redu, Finding Love in Your Later Years, will be published by Roman and Littlefield this month, September. Laura was married for almost 30 years before getting divorced. Newly single, she turned to friends and relationship experts for advice. On Dating While Gray and in Romance Redu, Laura shares the lessons she's learned and introduces other gray daters as they all weather the wild world of love with advice from experts. Laura is also an award-winning writer of health, wellness, and medical features for military families. And she's the author of several nonfiction books for young readers. She has two grown children and enjoys jogging along the wooded paths of Reston, Virginia, and the sandy shores of Emerald Isle, North Carolina. You can find out more about her work at laurastasi.com. Also in the show notes, so don't feel that you have to write this down. Welcome, Laura. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time, and you were working on your book, which is finally out. I know. It's funny. Um, Yeah, the book actually started, you know, I'm a writer. Uh, The podcast was a serendipitous thing. And when I got it, uh, got the podcast, I put the book down and then picked it back up um, after season two, season one and season two of the podcast were part-time endeavors. And then start. so I finished the book. It was a great opportunity to come full circle and do the book. And then yes, got it. I'm so excited that it's finally getting published. So it's 
Very exciting. You know what that's like. I do. In fact, we have the same publisher of my last book, which my last book I failed to mention is called 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life. And I do include a chapter called Dating for Dowagers. (laughs) And it, it, of course, we're not dowagers. That was a little bit of hyperbole. But tell us, how did you start this podcast, which is fantastic. All of you should subscribe to this podcast because it really is rich with ideas and ways to get around some of the interesting aspects of dating in the second half of our lives. So tell us, how did it start? So, okay, this is kind of a long story, but I guess we have some time. We do. Yep. So I was married for 30 years, got married very young when I was uh, almost 23, which people did back then. I'm, I'll be 62 in October. So I'm a little older than you are probably, but, um, but yeah, um, I spent, we had two kids and I was a freelance writer and an editor, um, or worked part-time while the kids were growing up. And I always, you know, was focused on them. Um, And then when I was almost, I don't know, 53, uh, we separated and it was, you know, it's a long story about, you know, relationships. It wasn't all his fault or all my fault, but I didn't see it coming. I mean, I thought, of course, you know, once you're married, unless something terrible happens, you're supposed to stay married, which, I've come to find out it's not necessarily a good way to go through life. But anyway, once we got separated and I realized, okay, this is, this is happening. I had to learn how to be happy and whole on my own, uh, find a full-time job. I was fortunate that we were financially secure enough that we could split things in half. And I wasn't going to be, you know, really struggling where I know a lot of a lot of women, especially divorce becomes a financial struggle. Yes. So I was lucky that I didn't have to do that. But so once I got sort of all figured out, I thought, you know, I would like to find a romantic partner, but it had been, you know, the last time I had gone on a date, I was maybe what, 18 or 19, you know, home telephone answering machines weren't even a thing. Mm. I had no idea how to even find someone at this stage of life. You know, I, I, online dating uh, was sort of new, but not really new, but it just seemed kind of a a sleazy, <laughs> sleazy way of meeting people. I tell people it was like going to a, like a, a big, crazy bar <laughs> that's not in your own neighborhood, you know? And it's, a, so I thought, okay, surely there's other ways of meeting people besides online dating. Yes. Um, so how, how do people do it? So I started talking, my first focus was, I want to find out how people 50 and older met their romantic partners. So I started talking to people. I uh, set up a website and posted the stories. And I don't know how Dating While Gray came to mind, but I think it was because what I experienced was called a gray divorce. Mm. And I thought, okay, well, what comes after gray divorce? Gray dating. So I use gray to refer to anyone 50 or older, whether they've never married, whether they're widowed, or whether they've been you know, divorced once or multiple times. It's just sort of a catch-all phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, gray, which is much better to me than senior or elderly. <laughs> yes, indeed. I can't stand or dowagers. <laughs> uh-huh, I hear you. I hear you. But um, so anyway, so I um, 
was doing this and I was working full time as a writer for health, um, health, wellness and medical issues for a, I had a worked for a company that had a contract with the Defense Health Agency, a strategic communications contract. Anyway, so I'm doing this sort of thinking, OK, well, one day maybe I'll write a book about this. Oh. I hear your doggy. Oh, so sorry. Good to know. <laughs> no, no. My dog. I had a dog, but poor thing died at the end of February. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I was just doing this, you know, thinking one day I'll write a book. And then it was in uh, July of 2018. There I was uh, driving somewhere and I heard on WAMU that they were creating sort of a podcast initiative. They wanted to find creative projects that they could turn into podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I barely, I didn't even know what a podcast was really back then, but I thought, you know, this would be interesting. And then the way the advertisement ran on the radio show, they made it sound like, you know, anybody who wanted to do this could do it. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll sign up for it. So I got back to um, work or something and I looked online and I found out it was sort of a contest. You had to apply, but they were looking for diversity in voices and age was one of the diversity angles that they were considering. So I thought, okay, maybe I have a chance because I'm older and I would imagine the Dating Well Great audience is the public radio audience. Older, has money or, you know, more disposable income maybe than younger people. Anyway, so I applied and there were apparently like 542 submissions for the podcast. Uh, It was called The Pod Shop and they chose five of us. Wow. Congrats. Yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, I felt, I mean, it really was a career changer for me. So we spent um, maybe two months. They gave us each a $2,500 stipend and they told us what equipment to purchase. And then they showed us how to use it. And we met like twice a week from maybe September to November. And at the end of this, of the pod shop, each of us had the equipment and skills we needed to continue with our podcast. We did a um, a pilot episode of our respective creative projects. And so that was really exciting. And then WAMU said, hey, why don't we try this on the air? Let's do, or, you know, for the audience, they were building a podcast unit at the time. And so I was like, sure. So Dating While Gray launched the first uh, season with WAMU, 10 episodes, February through May of 2020. So I was still doing it part-time. And then we all know what happened, um, you know, halfway through the season, the uh, the pandemic hit and WAMU, like a lot of other companies, they got hit pretty bad financially. Uh, plus they had some other issues, internal issues related to, you know, sexual harassment and there were some racial issues. So anyway, I knew it had been a successful first season, but I knew at the end of the first season, I needed to find a new home for this. And what I realized was there were so many stories to tell. I couldn't just stop. I needed to go keep going, not only for me thinking I could make this a career, but also because I got so many emails and phone messages, people saying, oh my gosh, thank you. Nobody is ever talking about these topics, you know, because it wasn't just dating. It was, you know, what are the considerations for recoupling? How do you mm-hmm. merge 
finances and households, you know, sexual intimacy. What does that look like when we're older? So long story, um, I went to WUNC, the content director used to be with WAMU, and I connected with her, and we did a second season, uh, a still part-time in 2021, and then I signed a full-time contract for 2022, and so that's where we are today, full-time, we've had two seasons plus a microcast season, we do an e-newsletter, we've done a couple of events. So it's really, um, it's become very robust, which I love. We also did a broadcast special, which was distributed by American Public Media. Nice. Yeah, it was wonderful. It ran, uh, stations could carry it anywhere the first quarter of 2022. Most of them ran it around Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. But I think 88 public radio stations nationwide picked it up, which was great because it helped with the audience, you know, building an audience for the podcast. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. And I know that you still do work with NPR. I see that you were on All Things Considered, for instance, on how DC daters are navigating, quote, cuffing season in a pandemic. Tell us about that. Uh, That sounds like a pretty interesting show. I haven't listened to that episode yet. Yeah, that was um, was, that was in 2021. Yes. I mean, they just reached out and asked because, you know, it's funny as I really feel like WAMU, it's sort of like your first love. You never get over it. And anybody who greenlit the project or supported the project is basically gone, which makes me very sad from a Mm -hmm. from a content department standpoint. But um, it just became a just the audience really responded to it. We did a couple of call-ins on 1A while I was still with the station and people were calling in asking questions. They wanted to relay their their own true stories. And so it was just a reporter. Um, I think that was Rachel Curzius, wasn't it? I'm I not sure. I think it was Rachel, but she did a piece for WAMU's like local segment that then got picked up by big NPR, you know, as part of their All Things Considered. So that was fun. I mean, it's a topic, you know, as much as people kind of giggle about it, people don't under, you know, people who aren't in it don't understand how it's really a very, um, I mean, it's a complex thing. It's again, it's not just dating. It's not just how do you find someone, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, how do you deal with, you know, medical issues that might arise? Of course, these things can happen when you're younger, but it's more likely to happen when you're older and, you know, if you both have kids and your kid, you know, do you introduce your kids to each other, you know, to, you know, do you even attempt to blend families or does that just not even make any sense? Yes. You know, as we're older and depending on where we live and, you know, so. So what, what, what was a tip you gave about dating during the pandemic? So. I like to tell everybody I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. but what I do is bring in a lot of voices. Yes. And the thing that uh, dating and relationship coaches were very, um, just really positive about was this can actually be a good thing. The pan- And, you know, we're still in the pandemic, mm-hmm. but it can be a good thing in that we're spending time getting to know each other before meeting face to face, Mm -hmm. like it used to be. And I, there might still be a lot of some of this going on. I mean, I don't know. It's not my thing and I'm not saying it's bad, but you know, a lot of people are just like, Hey, let's meet face to face right away. Let's, 
see if we have any sexual chemistry, physical chemistry before we decide whether we want, uh, you know, a committed relationship or a physical relationship is all we want. So, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, something like the pandemic forces you to be a little bit more thoughtful about who you're going to meet face to face and and how you're going to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of that's when a lot of dating sites started, you know, video chats and and even different websites or dating sites sprang up. Like one was called, I think, Filter Off. I'm not sure how long they if they're even still around, but it just made people more thoughtful, you know, about who they're going to meet, who they're going to even spend time with. And then it also brought together, you know, brought up issues related to do you trust science versus are you anti-vaccine? Yes. And if you, if we disagree on something like that, what are our chances of being able to sustain any kind of relationship? Wow. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that because that does create fissures in relationships with friends, family members. Yeah. So, wow, that's an interesting point. Thank you for that. Yes, her podcast and her work is replete with with issues that one might not think of initially. I'm I was not someone who would think about that, but it is an important mm-hmm. issue. I don't choose to spend time around non-vaccinated people right now because I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time with my 80-year-old mother and I have to think about such things. So it does um, bring to light different philosophical um, ways of moving through the world. And I appreciate that you talk about these things because not everyone does. Not everyone talks about it. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is I feel like um, I've become maybe more open-minded as I've got. I think I feel like because I spent so much time being part of a couple mm-hmm. and at a very young age, you almost need to retrain yourself, or at least I certainly did. Mm-hmm. And it's how we respond to other people and what we are willing to compromise or negotiate. And I think and what you're bringing up, like I have talked to older daters and they're like, yeah, well, we don't agree politically, but you know, it's nice to have a warm body in the house and he's great any other way, or she's wonderful in all other respects. And it's like, okay, if you've made that calculation and it's worth it for you, that's fine. But you know, I'm not sure I want to make certain compromises anymore as I get older. And that's actually one of the beauties of being in older relationships is we are able to, it's maybe we feel more of the freedom to sort of custom build what kind of a commitment we want. Um, You've heard of the expression living apart together where people, and that's just, and I've talked to people who, you know, even sometimes they decide they actually want to be married, but they don't want to live together full time. Whereas some financial advisors would tell you, you really shouldn't be married. You know, it doesn't make sense financially for you to commit yourself to this person as a legal spouse, you know, because if you both have kids or, but for some people, it's just important, even if it doesn't make sense financially. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that, all kinds of great conversations I get into. I love what I do. 
I love what you do. I love listening to the guests that you find to talk about various aspects of dating while gray, because it isn't a monolithic thing, as you mm-hmm. are saying right now. It, it is something that uh, we, as older people, can be more thoughtful about, and we know ourselves better, generally speaking. And I am one of those people who will never get married again and who is coupled with someone, but we each have our own homes and that works for us. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to talk more about your book, your book, Romance (laughs) Redo, Finding Love in Your Later Years. Tell us what made you decide to put your knowledge and resources in book form? How did that come to pass? Well, it's funny because I'm a writer Mm -hmm. and as I said before, I never I had no idea a podcast would be something like, you know, basically a radio show, but a digital radio show. I, I that was never a goal of mine until the, the opportunity presented itself, which I also think is really interesting in that my mentors at this stage of my career have all been millennials. Mm-hmm. And um, most a lot of women of color which, I mean, we could get into a whole discussion about ways in which women don't support each other in the workplace, which I feel like I experienced when I was younger. Um, And even when I was like in my forties, I was hitting, I was working part-time actually at NPR for a while, big NPR. Mm -hmm. And I had a very non- creative job, transcript coordinator. I was proofreading transcripts and making sure. And it was a, you know, it was one of these jobs where I could work it around my family. I could work it around writing nonfiction children's books for the school and library market. But I thought it was also a way of getting my foot in the door that this was a great creative place. And I could never, I mean, I applied to so many jobs for digital, like digital copy editing, digital writing, Um, I think I applied for the newscast unit and I just couldn't, I could not get any traction. And I don't know whether it's because it was my age or it was because I was working part-time and so nobody would bother looking at my, you know, at my credentials, but, um, but it was only, so, you know, you asked about the book and I'm sorry, I always say, I I speak in rough draft. Don't we all, don't we all, come on. But, um, but so I was just, it was just so serendipitous that this became a podcast. And I will say, I think if I hadn't gotten the podcast, I would not have gotten the book published because Uh I think, you know, people talk about publishing these days, everybody needs a quote unquote platform. And here I was just a writer, somebody who had gone through a divorce and was doing a lot of research about it. But if I had not had the podcast as a platform, I don't think I could have gotten any interest in the book. So it was sort of like I came back to the book after getting the podcast. Um, I had started writing it, got the podcast, put the book down. And then after season two ended um, in May of 2021, I knew WUNC was interested in a full-time relationship that it wasn't going to start until 2022. So I thought, okay, gosh, what do I do? And 
sadly, my mom had died, but fortunately I had a little bit of money that I thought, okay, let me just sit here, write the book, get it done, try to find an agent, figure out what my 2022 is going to look like as far as the podcast goes. And I was, I was fortunate it all worked out. Yes, indeed it did. You're doing great work and it keeps growing. I've watched with interest and cheering you on from the sidelines, watching your career in this area just take off. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, what's so interesting, Maria, is that, um, you know, again, it's not just for people who are divorced and it's not just for women and it's not just for straight people. Mm -hmm. It's for anybody who's looking for a committed romantic relationship, however you define commitment and whoever it is you want to love. Mm-hmm. Um, but gray divorce is a, an international societal trend where it used to be, if we got married and you stayed married for maybe 15 or 20 years, they, you know, statistically you were considered married for life. Mm-hmm. And it's just not happening happening anymore. I mean, and I think overseas, they call it silver splitting. Ah. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's something that people kind of need to wake up to the, the reality of it. Um, yeah, I think in New Zealand, you know, I have all these statistics in my book. And what's interesting too, is in places like Japan, they used to, if you had reached age 50 and have been unmarried, you were considered like permanently single, Mm. but they had to change that because more and more people in Japan are getting married for the first time after the age of 50. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. As our culture shifts, cultures, plural shift, uh, we all adapt eventually. I mean, I think that the election exhibited some deep divides in people's comfort with various types of coupling, but at least where we live on the coast, uh, it it is not unusual to have all different kinds of coupling. And my when my parents got married in 1962 in the state of Maryland, it was illegal because mm-hmm. two different races, my dad is white, my mom is Asian, and my mm-hmm. kids, adult children, can't believe that was the case in 16 states in the United States until 1967. Yeah. And now that gay marriage is at least currently still legal, um, we have a lot of different considerations and I appreciate how you expand your menu of offerings to include these other couplings. I I did write another nonfiction book called Not the Cleaver Family, The New Normal in Modern American Families. And in that case, uh, in that book, I investigated people who are child-free by choice, people who have choose to have one child which was unusual when we were having children, but it is a reflection of economic times and people being more self-aware of what they have the bandwidth to handle as parents. And I applaud all of these different uh, choices in modern society. So thank you again for expanding what you do to not just be white Americans over 50. You cover a lot more than that. Thank you. But you know, what's interesting is I found a lot of um, 
not mean-spirited, but confusion among married people. Like, why are we talking about this? Or mm. I remember even my one of my sisters and my sisters love me, but they're like, okay, you're, you know, you're divorced and you're older. I hope you're at peace with it. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I, I'm living my best life. Are you kidding? I'm like, you know, it wasn't my choice, but yeah. I, I mean, and I would like to find another romantic partner, but at peace with it makes it sound like it's, I don't know. And then one thing I want to tell everybody too, is it would behoove all of us, everybody, men, women, whatever, to be comfortable financially and emotionally with being on your own, because statistically, especially if you are a woman, statistically, it's going to happen sooner or later. Yep. So, and even like with men, okay, men typically die sooner than Mm -hmm. women, but I have interviewed now two men who are twice widowed, Mm -hmm. have outlived two wives. And it was something that, you know, of course they weren't expecting, but so I guess my point is, I think as a society, we have been trained to think only as, you know, coupling is the best. It's the only, and we really do need to expand our minds, open our minds that there's different ways of living. Yes, I have discovered the difference between being alone and being lonely. I'm not lonely. And I have talked at length with my friends from high school, uh, two of whom are divorced, about buying a little or a house or a series of cottages and growing old together. And that that. sounds really good to me right now. Yeah. 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 I'm only three years behind you, Laura. You look wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. I like to say Asians don't raisin, but I don't know how you feel about that, little ditty. Well, you said it, not me. <laughs> In any event, I uh, really, really admire you, Laura, and what you're putting out in the world. You're, you help so many people. And I would like to ask this question of you, which I ask all our guests. What do you, Laura, do to become your best version? Mm, Well, it's a work in progress, believe me. (laughs) But I'm feeling like I'm my best version when I exercise regularly. I mean, like I run three times a week. I think you need to call it jogging at this point, though. (laughs) I play pickleball. I take walks. So I do it, you know, no carbs after breakfast. unless it's a vegetable, but, um, and then just keeping an open mind instead. I am really, I'm really working on responding instead of reacting. Mm, Absolutely. When I can exercise and have that in my, then, then I'm becoming my best version. Hopefully I'll get there at some point. (laughs) Well, I like to say it's progress, not perfection that I never want to stop growing. I want to continue to discover the different layers of life, the different layers of Maria. I like to say I'm on version 2.0 right now, but I want to keep going. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about your partner. We'll have to do that uh, on my podcast. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. I love that so many of us in the, oh gosh, I don't even know how to categorize it, but so many of us who work in this space cross pollinate and collaborate and cross paths multiple times because we are a humongous demographic. We baby yeah. boomers are 
big and we've got the resources, the time to reflect. I'm much more an authentic version of myself now than I was in my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I encourage all of you to go to Laura Stasi, S-T-A-S-S-I.com, follow her on social media, subscribe to her podcast, listen to her radio show, and keep growing, everyone. We'll see you again next week. Go out and buy her book. I will be buying it in a couple days. Yes, so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> and we'll come back next week for another inspiring woman who can help elevate our lives. Thanks again. Thanks, Maria.